parents often don't realize that when their adult children start complaining about their childhoods or what they wish the parents had done differently or the ways that they felt hurt by the parents or the ways that they want the parents to be respectful of their boundaries, um, how much that's somewhat of a new conversation for both sides. So what is required today of a parent-adult-child relationship, at least a healthy one, is much more, much more psychologically demanding and, and much more psychologically intensive. And not everybody's up to the task, either on the parent side or the adult-child side. And when they're not, then uh, the adult-child can just choose to, to walk away. And there's a lot of social support for doing so. Changemakers from all over the world who will inspire you to live with zest. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow zestful ager. And my tagline is discovering your sweet spot, both because I love a good tennis reference and because the show is all about growing into ourselves as we age. To find out more about the podcast, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on the show. Find out more at judybanker.com. And as always, our technical director is the dependable Stephen Litweiler. Well, there's a quiet epidemic going on in our culture that is both shame-inducing and deeply distressful. And this phenomenon goes against every natural impulse we have as parents, and it's been increasing. I am noticing that it's starting to be talked about more in the mainstream media, but it's not something you will be hearing about at your next cocktail party. You may be aware that more and more families are experiencing some kind of estrangement, and typically the cutoff is between an adult and an adult child. So what is behind this need to break up with a parent, and why is this option becoming more common? Well, today we're going to speak with one of the foremost experts on estrangement. He's going to help us understand the complex reasons why these estrangements are becoming more common and how we can heal from them. Dr. Coleman is a psychologist and author. He's written four books, most recently, The Rules of Estrangement, Why Adult Children Cut Ties and How to Heal the Conflict. He's a frequent guest on the Today Show and NPR and most wonderfully, he's been featured on Sesame Street 2020, Good Morning America, PBS, and more. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really interested in speaking with you, but I must ask you about Sesame Street first. <laughs> <laughs> what was that all about? Uh, well, they had seen me on a Today Show segment, and they were during the recession, they were doing something on the topic of how the recession is affecting families. And so they wanted me on as a, a family expert to talk about how parents could talk to their children about hard financial times and how to make sense of those struggles, how those um, struggles impact families, which we know can be really catastrophic for families. So uh, so that was really my, my role on Sesame Street. 
You know, it occurs to me that you do not shy away from super hard and painful topics. This is not like the therapist, you talk about the worried well. You are in there really in the deep trenches. And when I think about estrangement and how unnatural it can feel sort of biologically to have... um, an adult and their adult child cut off. That is really intense work. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And the parents that I work with are in enormous pain around their estrangement. They're desperate for help. Often the advice that they get from friends or well-meaning family or well-meaning therapists is really counterproductive because both parents and adult children don't realize how much the ground has shifted beneath their feet in the past half century or so, where the kind of relationship that adult children want with their parents is one that's much more predicated on the principles of of self-growth and self-realization and identity uh, and preservation of mental health, whereas most parents, at least those then boom like me or Gen X, which is the next you know generation below ours age-wise, um, are raised in an era where that wasn't as much a priority in terms of family relationships, where the idea of honor thy mother and thy father, respect thy elders, etc., was much more the dominant belief system. And so parents often don't realize that when their adult children start complaining about their childhoods or what they wish the parents had done differently or the ways that they felt hurt by the parents or the ways that they want the parents to be respectful of their boundaries, um, how much that's somewhat of a new conversation for both sides. So what is required today of a parent-adult-child relationship, at least a healthy one, is much more much more psychologically demanding and, and much more psychologically intensive. And not everybody's up to the task, either on the parent side or the adult-child side. And when they're not, then uh, the adult-child can just choose to, to walk away. And there's a lot of social support for doing so. I see. You're talking about a mismatch of what the parents expect of the relationship and what the adult child might expect. Yeah, and that's that's common. And we know from sociological research, they, they refer to it as the intergenerational state, the idea that in general parents do have a greater desire to spend time with their adult children. They take more meaning from it. They often will see the relationship as going better than the adult child does. So some of that's sort of normal and expectable. The problem is that you know, in the past half century or so, parents have also raised their expectations of how much meaning and happiness they should get from their relationships with their children. They've greatly reduced their relationships with hobbies and other friends and other kinds of organizations. So much so, so a lot hinges more than in prior generations on the relationship between the parent and the adult child. And that can put a lot of pressure mm. on the adult child to fulfill the parent's needs in ways that some find, frankly, burdensome. I I imagine, too, there's an overlay of um, ethnicity where some some uh, cultures expect more closeness than others. That's true. And some cultures also have preserved some degree of filial obligation. I mean, I think there are probably whole continents that think that the idea of estrangement is completely bizarre and, um, you know, would never be considered. Um, and other cultures, for example, I'm Jewish and, you know, in Jewish culture, we, there's sort of a presumption of a really close, almost enmeshed kind of a family, uh, relationship. And that can either work 
like so much of family expectations, either it, either work really well when it goes really well, or it can work really poorly when <laughs> mm-hmm. when it when it doesn't. So um, the idea, sort of, of the the guilt tripping Jewish mother, which was more sort of an affectionate kind of a meme. You know, when I was growing up, today parents don't have the same kind of leverage to guilt trip their parents. I mean, when I was growing up and moved out to California, my mother could affectionately say, "What, Mister Fancy Psychologist? You can't call you. You can't call. You. <laughs> You're too good to call your mother." Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I imagine. Yeah. I had a Jewish grandmother, so I can hear that 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 sound in my ears. Yes, right, right. But so, but now you, if you do that, then you're being emotionally abusive and you're about crossing boundaries and you're, you know, you're making your child feel bad. So guilt, the, the notion of making your child feel guilty for something is now considered a, a toxic behavior and may put you on the route to estrangement. So again, all these things highlight how much kind of the, the terms and the rules of engagement have radically changed in just the past half century or so. I was struck by one of the examples in your book. It just seems so typical where the father said he had more than I did. He always had a roof over his head. He never starved. You know, what's he complaining about? Mm-hmm. And that that just seems like a very good example of the mismatch that for an adult child in our, our, our time, that's just not enough. No, it's not enough. I mean, today, parents are supposed to create children who are really outfitted psychologically and materially to meet a very rapidly changing world. And not only that, to create children who are happy. And that's kind of a big ask. And as a result, many uh, children are entering adulthood or they're in adulthood and they don't feel happy. And so they're they have this this presumption that, well, the parents must have done something terribly mm-hmm. wrong if they're not happy. And of course, that's sometimes true, but it's not always true. And then the child may end up in therapy with a therapist who also assumes that all forms of unhappiness can be traced back to mom or dad, um, which you also know is not necessarily true as well. And that can also put families on the pathway to estrangement. Yeah, that's really, um, well, it's a, a very unfortunate uh to hear, but you are a therapist who works to shine the light on those expectations and help to see if there's some ability to reconnect and and perhaps reunite. Right. Yeah. Hi, everyone. You may have noticed that Zestful Aging Podcast does not run a lot of ads. That's because I'm just not willing to endorse products that I don't have total confidence in and that I don't use myself. So it really means something when I tell you that after I interviewed Dr. Bill Rawls on cellular health, read his books and learned about his high standards for quality control, I was sold. I placed an order for Vital Plant Supplements immediately. I encourage you to check out both of my interviews with Dr. Bill Rawls and hop on over to vitalplan.com. If you enter Zestful 15, they will give you a 15% off of your first order. I'm really excited for you to try these products. I think you'll be very impressed. Now, back to the show. So, Take us through an example. Uh, 
I presume that you're called by both the the kids and the parents. Is it more mm -hmm. the parents that call reach out and say we we need your help? It's typically the parents because they're the ones who are in more pain about it. For the estranged adult child, it's basically working for them. You know, if you go under the forums like Reddit or estranged adult children, you know, what you commonly see is, oh, best thing I ever did, done with the drama, don't need the stress yeah. anymore, um, need to preserve my mental health. And for the estranged parents, you see heartbreak and sorrow and guilt and anger and feeling misunderstood. So for the parents, there's no upside to estrangement. It's all downside. Whereas for the adult child, they can feel like they're liberating themselves from hurtful or toxic figures. They can feel like they're promoting their mental health. They can feel like they're um, protecting their identity, their self-esteem, their well-being. So the adult child has much more power in the dynamic to set the terms and the rules of engagement. And the parent has relatively little power. So what I'm forever telling parents is nothing compels your adult child to have a relationship with you at this point beyond whether or not they want to have a relationship mm -hmm. with you. And part of their wanting to have a relationship with you is going to be based upon how much they feel understood by you or um you know, how much you care about their feelings and how much you can empathize or take responsibility for the ways that they feel hurt or misunderstood. And, and those parents who can have a reasonably good, though never certain, chance of reconciliation and those who can't or won't have a pretty mm -hmm. certain chance of not not having a reconciliation. And you're very pragmatic, it seems to mm -hmm. me. It's like you you don't have to do this, but right. you're not going to get what you want. Exactly. So, right. I have a webinar called The Five Most Common Mistakes of Estranged Parents. And the first one is um, being thinking about what's fair versus what's strategic. You know, what's fair is that your kid would call you as much as you call them, or they would remember all the good things that you did, or they would know that you were a better parent or that you're, you parented you know, despite having had um, a terrible childhood yourself or you gave your child opportunities nobody ever gave you. In a fair world, that would be the basis of the relationship. But it's not fair. And so telling, you know, guilt tripping your child, criticizing them, telling them they're being, you know, selfish or a snowflake or whatever, it's not going to win the win your audience. It's not that going to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. How's that working for you? So, um, yeah, so they, they can't do that. So that they have to be more more strategic more thoughtful more more mindful of what actually works and that doesn't work very clearly and you i think bring a lot of humility to this because you've experienced this yourself and you know what it feels like yeah that's true i was um, married and divorced in my 20s and have a, a grown daughter who i'm very close to but there was a period of time in her early 20s where she had cut off contact for a few years following my remarriage and having children in a, you know, by second and current marriage, um, and her feeling displaced and kind of left out. Um, so at the time there was nothing written to help me and, and the advice I got was hurtful and, you know, really made things worse. Um, but over time I was able to heal the relationship with her basically by doing a lot of the things I advise parents to do, which is to be, you know, work on being more empathic and not defensive and understanding and taking responsibility and really understanding why she felt hurt and why she felt like she needed to cut off contact and what she was trying to communicate through that. Um, but 
But yes, absolutely, having had firsthand experience really did sensitize me to uh, what it's like to go through it. And, you know, my my mission in ministry is to help any parent who is going through it because it's an awful thing to have to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're using some of the words, you know, being talked about being empathic and open, but it sounds like there's some compassion too that has mm. to, and and really that's a big ask, I think, as a parent <laughs> who's tried so hard. I'm sure many of your parents that you see have, and like, well, we got you a car, we took you on vacation, we, yeah. you know, you got your braces, you went, you know, all of this stuff. It must be such a seismic shift for parents to say, oh, that wasn't what that's not what you're asking for. Right. It is a seismic shift. It's a big ask and not not all parents can do it, which is tragic because those who can't do it are probably going to remain estranged unless their child just decides to, you know, not make a not make the parents having insight or, you know, desiring to repair the stakes or the terms of the re-engagement. Um, but it, it is a big ask for parents because, you know, most of them, uh, their parents didn't or wouldn't have considered doing that for them. So they're having to do something which is historically new. Um, they're also having to kind of reverse the lines of authority, you know, that, that now they're kind of in the sort of more of a deferential position. I mean, ideally equal, but, but it can feel like they're being, they're deferring to their child's authority. The child may have a very different version of the childhood than the parent has. And they, um, you know, they can't just tell the, the adult child that they're wrong. They have to find some kernel of truth or way to acknowledge the child's experience. And so what I often tell parents to say is, look, I, it's clear that I have significant blind spots that I wasn't aware that that was as hurtful to you as it was. And, and I'm really sorry. And I hope you'll let me know in the future if I, if I do that again, or if you want to do therapy, I'm happy to do that so we can have a forum to talk about it or work on it. Or if there are things you want me to do in my own therapy, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. So again, it puts into the context which younger generations are, are very, um, um, ensconced in, which is the idea of that relationships have to occur in the context of personal growth and happiness and the protection of mental health. So it's important that parents use some of that language themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's a lot of diagnoses uh, thrown around now. <laughs> you know, you hear narcissism, you hear borderline, and yep. I don't know if Oprah's responsible for all <laughs> of it, but there's a lot of pathologizing, and I can see how that might get tricky. As a psychotherapist of 30 years with a specialty in food and eating issues, I know that holidays can be a real challenge when it comes to eating and food. Food and family visits are often a very tricky combination. So if you'd like to learn how to have a more peaceful relationship with food, both during the holidays and the rest of the year, check out my web course, The Wisdom of Mindful Eating. This course is super practical and user-friendly, and it has the power to change your life. You'll find the course on the ZestfulAging.com website. Now back to the show. The other thing I you you talked about, and I can imagine, is sitting in the room with, let's say, two parents, 
and they're not on the same page mm-hmm, and right. how difficult it must be to help them unify enough to uh, make a plan, make a strategy to reach out to their child. It's a lot of plates spinning in the air. Yeah. Yeah, there are. It's not uncommon. You know, more typically moms are willing to basically walk over hot coals to Mm. solve it in part because the just the role demands of a mother are kind of never, never ending. And so mothers often feel like they should keep trying and it's more their fault, you know, than it often is. And so they're much more, more vulnerable to feeling depressed and self-blaming and, um, um, you know, even even suicidal. Um, whereas dads are more, you know, as many men are more likely to externalize through blame or anger. And, you know, the dads are more generally likely to say, um, you know, well, screw that kid. They can apologize to me. I'm not going to mm. apologize to them. What, mm-hmm. do I, what do I have to apologize to, to them for? So um, it can be a, uh, a, um, a point of division in couples for sure. And does that create tension in the marriage and... Um, is that another layer to to deal with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, one of my strategies is to recommend that parents write some kind of a letter of amends to the adult child where they don't explain or defend or criticize. They just, it's purely a letter of taking responsibility and finding the kernel of truth and showing empathy and compassion. Um, and so um, sometimes one parent's not willing to do it, more typically uh, dad, and that can be a very big point of uh, conflict between the parents, but also just the way that they manage the stress of it. You know, in general, some of these stereotypes about men and women do kind of hold true. So, for example, that um, mothers may want to talk about it a lot and dads may not want to talk about it at all. So mm-hmm. I recommend that couples do talk about it, but that it's very time limited and, you know, that they talk about it maybe every day for five minutes, you know, or, or yeah. something like that. And that way the person who needs to talk about it knows that they can. And the person who doesn't want to talk about it knows that it's not going to fill every waking hour. So that's one mm-hmm. of the one of the ways to think about it. You, you talked about the mom being perhaps more invested and, and all of the um, consequences uh becoming depressed, uh, the whole identity thing. Are you aware of any research? I'm just curious curious about this, that there's some physiological um, consequences to being basically broken up with by your child. Um, you know, because there's this whole bonding thing as a baby and the oxytocin, yeah. all this stuff. It, I'm just curious if there there's been any research looking at scans or any other bodily functions to uh, it, to indicate that this becomes also physical. Yeah, I don't know of any, but it'd be a good study. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's pretty severe um, bodily reactions to it because it's such an ongoing stress, and we know that ongoing stress is causes immuno causes immunosuppression and other kinds of issues, cardiac issues. So um, mm-hmm. um, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. I mean, there really is a thing uh, um, called a broken heart. Right. Indeed, it it, it really does uh, doesn't break, but it kind of explodes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how grandparents factor into this this whole dynamic? 
Right. Well, grandparents are the casualty of the parent-adult-child estrangement. So, so sometimes the adult child will say, yeah, you were, you know, yeah, my kids love you and you're a good grandparent, but because you and I don't have a good relationship, I'm cutting off contact with you and you can't see the grandchildren. And sometimes that's said in a kind of a punitive, consequential way, sort of like, well, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's more rare that they say that it's because the grandparent isn't a good grandparent. Sometimes that's the case. But more commonly, the grandchildren are um, a casualty of that. And the adult child justifies it by saying, well, if it's not good for me, it's not good for my kids. And I think that's a very problematic way to think about family. If the only thing that was good for children was that their parents were only surrounded by admirers or something, then, you know, good luck with that. I think it's far better for children to see and learn that people can have conflict in family and that that doesn't have to infect every single relationship. And there are plenty of parent grandparents who are great grandparents who might not have been great parents, but it off it off um, offers them a way to heal the ways that they know that they weren't good parents by being good grandparents. Mm-hmm. And the grandparent grandchild bond is a very kind of special, precious bond. And so for that to be ruptured, you know, not only is it harmful to the, the grandchild because some of these grandchildren were taken care of by the grandparent, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple times a week or they lived with the grandparents or whatever. And then because of a rift, either with the adult child or the adult child's spouse, and wife, um, the daughter-in-law, then there's a tear in the relationship between the grandparent and the grandchild. And that's a source of enormous suffering for the grandparent. I mean, I have some grandparents that say, well, fine, be estranged from me, but let me see my grandchildren. And the parents just say, no, it's a package deal. And I'm just trying to imagine an adult child who's cut off from their parents being mature enough to say, Mm -hmm. listen, I have issues with you, but my kids don't. So let's continue that relationship. Yeah. That that strikes me as uh, pretty evolved. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those, those, those people are out there, but, but it's, it's not, it's not the rule. It's more the exception is my experience. Mm -hmm. So one last question. Um, what have you learned as a parent? Because you are doing this day in and day out and, yeah. and, and, and hearing and learning about all of the ways relationships can go wrong and, and how very painful it can be. You've already experienced it yourself. Do you find yourself, uh, sort of parenting gingerly or how, <laughs> how does this work for you? Well, to some extent, I mean, I'm more ginger with my daughter who had, you know, who had estranged herself from me, even though we reconciled, just because from my perspective, if a kid does it once, they're capable of uh-huh. doing it again. Yeah. Um, with my sons, um, you know, they're, they're 30, I have twin boys. Um, and so we don't have a lot of source of conflict, but when we had it in the past, I was certainly, um, mindful of, that an estrangement could occur. I mean, I think it's one of those things that if it's never happened to you, you're, you're kind of caught completely by, by surprise. But once it's happened to mm. you, then you feel like, well, happened once, it could happen That's again. An so, option. Yep. yeah. So I think that it has made me more, um, just more aware, you know, to sort of not, 
you know, kind of keep things under control and to not be, uh, you know, if my, 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 uh, temperament inclines towards impatience to just sort of rein it in rather than let it run free, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, I could actually see that parents might become, uh, sort of gun shy yeah uh if if they've already been cut off and it's they're sort of a newly uh reconciled situation um mm-hmm. and that's probably not a great place to parent right. from or have a relationship with yeah it's wow it's so complex it some of very... these issues are you know so beyond our control and That's as right. you say the you know the the social expectations are just so different very different um yeah yeah very yeah. very interesting so for the people who are listening um and i'm sure some of them are in this very situation what would be your uh recommendation to them just um this is sort of the first step I mean, I'm not trying to sell my book, but I think yeah. people should read my book because every I day, <laughs> every day, I get letters from parents saying, "Thank you, I did applied what you recommended mm-hmm. in the book, and I'm now reconciled." Or I wish I'd read your book three years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the book is called "The Rules of Estrangement." Um, I also have an ongoing webinar series for estranged parents, which you can access through my website, which is www.drjoshuacoleman.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have every other Monday a free Q&A for estranged parents at mm-hmm. 11, yeah, 11.30 a.m. Pacific, because I just can't handle all the, the emails that I get from parents. So I, mm-hmm. I direct them there. I also have a private Facebook group for estranged parents and grand, mm-hmm. grandparents, which you can um, access through my website. Just click on the um, a little Facebook icon, and that will take you there. And I also have a lot of um, um, YouTube videos. Um, I mean, I think the most important step that a parent can take is to write a really good amends letter. So um, you can learn more about how to do that either through my books or, or webinars. But I think that that's if you're if you're interested in reconciliation, I think that's the most powerful first step. But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way. So you just need to make sure you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. S- really important work. And I, um, I'm so happy to have the opportunity to talk to you about this issue because certainly as a therapist, you know, you hear about it a lot and yeah. it's, it's a very, very painful and, you know, as you know, shame inducing situation. And Absolutely. I think many parents don't feel like how could you possibly get it? And then they go to a party and it's like, right. oh, my son just won the award for the MVP. Right. And you're like, well, <laughs> you know, my son's not talking to me. Yeah. Um, it's very painful. Yeah, no, it's that people have enormous shame about it. And that's why it's still somewhat under the radar. People, you know, worry that if they tell somebody that they're estranged, that they're going to say, well, you must have done something pretty terrible mm-hmm. or at least think that, you know, and I mean, some estrangements do happen because of parental abuse or neglect, but they also happen because their child is mentally ill or they marry somebody who says, choose them or, or me, or the child doesn't know any other way to feel separate from the parent or there's, you know, poisoning in the relationship after divorce. So there's, there's many pathways to estrangement beyond serious mistakes on the parent's part. Mm-hmm. Wow, really thought-provoking. Dr. Joshua Coleman and his website is drjoshuacoleman.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It was good to talk to you.
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.